Welcome to the Heads and Bed Show, where we teach you how to get more properties, earn more revenue per property, and increase your occupancy. I'm your co-host, Conrad. And I'm your co-host, Paul. Hey there, Paul. How's it going? fantastic conrad it sounds like we're starting the week off on a high note a lot of good things happening here we tax season that's always fun uh, and it's uh, the time of year where we get to give the government lots of money that we rightfully earned we think and so that's always a fun time how about you how's the week going for you yeah i call that file an extension i do it every year i don't think we should tent tilt this towards a libertarian podcast i don't think that would be necessarily well received but maybe this is an idea maybe the listeners can weigh in i've actually thought about doing we could do like heads and beds after hours and we could just do like a, this a is problem. oh i the, that may be that may be just Politics. a special episode every religion. once in a while quarterly yeah. or something like that oh. yeah heads and beds yeah. after hours we'll touch on anything you want politics sports religion no, no topic too taboo yeah <laughs> We'll see. Who's in a bit of a pickle? Let's dive into marketing minute here a little bit. Is Google? They are a little panicky. I, Sundar, like getting on a flight, going over, doing an interview. We haven't watched the full interview, so we'll save our reaction. Maybe right. we'll do the reaction piece next week. But Google is now publicly out there. Hey, we're fine. We're fine. Look at all the stuff we're working on, which feels very weird. That doesn't feel like a super thing for me to do for them to be doing. I should say. So interesting no. stuff. No. And I think we both talked about the difference between chat GPT Bard right now. Mm-hmm. I think in the big headline coming out of that interview is we're not ready for it. Right. So is he talking about Google's not ready for it or we as a society aren't ready for it? Because I think he's trying to paint it as the society, but I think right. he's really trying to cover his tail a little bit there and saying that Google simply is not ready for it. So yeah, that's one that I want to dig into certainly a little further because I think there, there's going to be a lot there. Yeah, there, there's some threads there that I think are worth pulling on further, but maybe we save it for another day. We didn't catch a lot of headlines that really moved me a lot. There were some minor little things I put, I'm putting a post out on LinkedIn recently, or I should come out this week on new GA4 features with regards to, you can now set a goal to only fire once per session or fire yep. multiple times. So they're approving the product. Still not probably where it needs to be, completely honest, but is what it is. We'll see where we go from there. But yeah, all good stuff. So to, I think I want to save more time for the meat of the <laughs> chat today because I think it'll be pretty solid. It's always funny to me. I think this was a good example of something that bled out of, we have our bubble that we're in, right? And mm-hmm. then I have mm-hmm. a broader bubble that I might consume media online. So Twitter being like a primary consumption of news for me in some cases. And I learned mm-hmm. a lot and I sometimes see what's going on because of Twitter. And I saw Airbnb trending, which is not uncommon for me. I feel like I frequently see Airbnb trending. And it was something to the effect of Airbnb stock dropping uh, due to report or something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what was the report? Was their revenue down? Did they lose properties? Was there some other broader thing at play? And what I quickly found was that our little bubble had escaped, that news and notes and things from our bubble popped out into the other bubble that is like broader, or let's say like tech or investment news or something like that. So yep. we'll put a link in the show notes to what I'm talking about. But basically there's a, my understanding is he's a pretty famous or notable short seller. His name is Edwin Dorsey. Again, we'll put a link to his Substack in the show notes here. And basically, he does a breakdown on what direct booking actually looks like. I would say that's like a reasonable summary at a high level. If you want yeah. to read the full thing, go to his go to read his thing. I don't know if you caught this though. So, is it okay if I like summarize a little bit of it, or I don't know if you caught some of it? By all yeah. means, I've been once you shot me the link, I've been looking through it. But are you, yeah. I want you to do the deep dive because there's a lot of great stuff in here. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting. So like I said, nothing in here is news to us. I was reading this and I was like, in my head, I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, this is all very common stuff. They reference a property manager. I think the name of the property manager is Stay Heirloom. I actually think they are a StayFi customer. So I've heard of them before. Never really had the chance to talk with them. So maybe they are a listener or something like that. And it looks like they're doing a pretty solid job on their marketing. So kudos to them. But they get in this article, they elevated Stay Heirloom to be this like 
in my mind, it's just more of one example. There's a million companies like State Heirloom out there. Obviously, we're trying to work with many of them to help them with their direct marketing. So mm -hmm. this, in my mind, was, again, like almost a nothing burger. But because it was like, because it escaped the bubble, back to my earlier point, I think people were like, wait, you mean that I can get it cheaper on the property manager site? And I was like... <laughs> Obviously, we're not doing what we need to be doing. Right. The broader public is just shocked by the fact, shocked by the fact yeah. that Airbnb is charging fees and that those fees are completely optional, essentially, and that you can book directly with a property manager or a professional host and save. <laughs> in some cases, I think the example they put in the Substack article here, Edwin, was only about a $225 savings. So it wasn't yep. a significant savings. But then later in the article, he dives in and he gives lots of examples and he references different um, information. He references, it's weird. He's equating in the first part of the article, he's equating like bad hosting tactics and then applying it to Airbnb. And I think that's actually a little bit unfair. So like he gives an example of someone who's has an interior camera in the property, which is a sure, huge violation sure. of privacy and should yeah. never happen. But the, right. to be clear, nothing, Airbnb has nothing to do with that. Airbnb deserves to take a lot of L's and we criticize them yeah. enough. Uh, but I, I don't see how that would tie in at all with a host making the horrible decision to put an interior camera in a property because that could in theory happen with a direct booking that can very happy with any channel verbo etc so that's not airbnb's fault that a host does something egregious now if airbnb didn't react to that issue and ban that host from the platform i think that's like a zero strike in your out situation oh my personally. gosh yeah then sure then they deserve some criticism because they're allowing someone to you know do something that they shouldn't be doing but a lot of the complaints about quote unquote, Airbnb really seem to be complaints about bad hosts. Like that seems to be more of a cheap mm -hmm. complaint. Now the argument could be made that Airbnb is perhaps allowing or gives a certain level of credibility to a bad host by letting them come on the platform, by doing very little vetting. Actually, someone said this to me the other day, isn't Airbnb authorized, sorry, verifying every property on their platform? And I said, yeah, they said that. And then I'm like, when did they say that? And I Googled it <laughs> and they said that in 2019. Oh, they said in 2019, two years ago. <laughs> no, they said there's an article. I can try to dig it out, and put it in the show notes. I think it was a skift piece or it might've been somewhere mm -hmm. else, but this was a mm -hmm. public appearance from Chesky. And he said in 2019, we're going to verify every property. That seems to not have happened at all. I know they're doing some work, I think, on guest verification with respect right. to uploading an ID and things like that. But the, prop the, ver the property verification project that apparently was started, I guess, pre-COVID now, doesn't appear to have moved forward at all, and they haven't made any progress on that. So again, I think we need to separate these things because we know better, so we have to explain mm -hmm. it more clearly. Yeah. But watching it escape the bubble last week and watching basically this guy, this Edwin uh, Dorsey, appeared to be enough of a needle mover that the stock went down like 10 or 12%. And Airbnb hadn't reported from what I could tell, any financial news or any good news or bad news, they just, they hadn't said anything. Just this man's one report was able to move the needle a little bit on their stock. Interesting stuff, I guess, as you go through this, is that just what this is? Is it just like the broader public awareness about the platform and how it works? Or is there something more to this? I guess I'm curious. Yeah, we'll I, think, I think it is. That's a, I think there's a lot of people among us that would, we push hard on Book Direct. And certainly that's something that we promote with managers and everything like that. But I think there's something to be said for the billions and billions of dollars that Airbnb throws out there and even Homeway throws out there, Verbo throws out there, Expedia throws out there to say, hey, this is, they're not worried about, they're not talking about the, the push isn't for the value. And I don't think that's ever, I think that's been a shift is that you're not staying there for free. It really is about getting away from that traditional hotel stay or the four block walls or whatever it is. I think that's, that was how initially... <clears throat> everything grew. But since that time, it's, I would say it's more home away sniping at Airbnb saying, Hey, it's more about not having the host in the home with you. It's about having your own personal space. They really, that's something that they just don't talk about the, 
the fact that if you actually, and I think the other side of the coin is we, I think we've talked about it a few times, 2015, 2016, everything was a VRBO. Mm. Not everything was a VRBO. A lot of these were professionally managed things. It's the mm. same thing. The nomenclature is now shifted from VRBO to Airbnb. And I think it's just, we forget that there are individual or travelers forget that there are individual property managers on there that may have their own professionally managed site. Could be those people that we work with, could be individuals certainly. But I think that those two companies overall have done a really good job of talking about that being the values. Like maybe you're willing to pay a little more to have that more unique experience, to have that more personalized experience, to have that that individual one-to-one experience in a great destination with a great rental listing there. But it does, it's cringeworthy to think that that, that news that, again, we take for just commonplace and, and happenstance, for lack of a better word, is it was enough to actually change the dynamics of the market for one of the big, from again, for a huge company. That's it's, I don't know, it's scary in the fact that maybe we're not doing as good a job as we think we are, or the channels were lever, channels we're trying to pull, whatever we're trying to leverage, maybe it is. We're not doing it collectively enough as a industry, as a short-term rental industry, vacation rental industry, wherever you're seeing that. But it kind of ties into, I was listening to <clears throat> Good Morning Hospitality this morning, and they actually had a VC guy on, and he was talking about more of the consolidation that you may see more of the branded things happening where franchises right now, but at some point are, are just a group of vacation rentals or Airbnb managers just going to come together and create a company and just be a brand in and of themselves. I think that's it. That's what it would take to, and we've seen certainly multiple examples and I think we're going to talk more and more about Airbnb in this episode, certainly, but it's, there is, there's certainly something to be said for, a lot of the individual managers, and we know there are thousands of them out there, having that collective voice that's not quite so collective as compared to an Airbnb or Virgo. So I guess that's my two cents on it. So, Yeah, know. I think there two, two threads to pull down, I guess. The first one is the there's a, a piece of data cited inside of this article from AirDNA, and I want to give full credit to them. And again, mm-hmm. I'll link to them in the show notes. That yep. This is the claim from AirDNA. I can't verify this. I'm just trusting that they're doing things accurately based on how they pull down data. This is the exact quote. Professional property managers represent 1% of all vacation rental hosts, but manage 23% of available listings, which generate 35% of total revenue, end quote. So what that tells me a little bit, if that's that's Mm -hmm. an accurate stat, is that the property manager obviously can control a market almost to some degree. Um, And one property manager in some markets, usually what you find is that there's two, three, four property managers that are the biggest. And then most people are bottom feeding for the next set of inventory. That's typically the case. It tells me that they probably have a little bit more sway and influence than they think they should. It's a common statement that I hear from a lot of property managers feeling like they're not valued by Airbnb, that Airbnb does not give them the attention or does not give them the what they desire as far as like support and things like that. I'm not here to pass judgment on that because I'm not a part of those conversations. So I don't exactly know what's going on a day-to-day basis between a property manager and their professional relationship with Airbnb. But I know that they complained about it a lot. <laughs> I know that for sure. And the way I, the place I wanted to go in the next part of the conversation was around the book direct day, I think is a good example mm-hmm. of something where they're trying to get that na- narrative out there. And we have helped participate in book direct day. And mm-hmm. I think we're a fan of it, but obviously it's not 
we haven't won yet, right? right? If there's a scoreboard, it seems like Airbnb seems to be winning the scoreboard as far as public perception of the platform being the place to go. And that's the thing is like, if a guest were, was going and doing price comparison shopping on Airbnb and then finding your direct booking website and still choosing to book on Airbnb, that tells me they don't trust you, the property. Right. So that's something you have to work on. But that's not a failure book direction, in my opinion, if that were to happen, if they were aware that there was another option out there and they still chose to do what they did. That's just called, you didn't do enough good enough job. No different than I'm very aware that I can book a hotel directly or I can book a hotel through a platform and I'm going to NWVRP here in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Subtle plug there. And (laughs) um, I looked on the hotel website and I looked on the OTA website and the price was identical down to the penny. There was no difference in the cost. So I booked direct and was doing the hotel a bit of a favor. Fist bump, Mm -hmm. trying to bro move to the revenue manager at that hotel and not cost them over a few hundred dollars in commission fees at booking.com. But every once in a while, it's not uncommon in the hotel space that I see a property on booking.com that's cheaper than mm-hmm. the same listing on their website. I'm like, who is letting this happen? So now that rarely, if ever, I've ne- pretty much never seen that happen. At least I would be ashamed if that happened to one of my clients where the rate on Airbnb was lower than the rate on their website. I've just not Ooh, seen that to be the case. Right. So if that's the case every time that you're always paying a premium on Airbnb, why is the narrative not just like a bug we're implanting in the mind of our guest out there? That's just, ah, you overpaid a little bit by booking an Airbnb. Just like, instead of saying book director, instead of just, obviously that message hasn't like perfectly resonated with people. I would just love it if that was our statement. Ah, you overpaid a little bit by booking Airbnb. Or even just you overpaid. You overpaid by booking on Airbnb. And then it's, oh, I don't want to overpay. Oh, yeah, you can go on our website here, blah, blah, blah. And then we go into our pitch. But just, I think we need a better psychological hook, I guess is what I'm getting at. The idea of book direct makes sense to all of us. Going back to my bubble commentary from earlier, all of us inside the bubble understand that book direct mindset, the language, the messaging, it all, we all kind of high fives and happy hands all around when we say that. The guest is getting it a little bit, I think, the guests that have been trained, but the broader public is not. The broader public is still very much in the mindset of, let me go to Airbnb and find my inventory. So I'm going to toss it in that nobody who ever saw any of my Google ads on the guest side was ever confused by that because one of my headlines every single time was book direct and save. That's the, that's I think bad, it is. Maybe, it, yeah, maybe maybe that's it, it's it's yeah, a <clears throat> small little thing there, but I, it's, I, and I don't know how you change that conversation to be exactly to be able to say it unless Airbnb is building in a component where they are separating professional managers or making it much more clear that this is a professional manager that's that's actually managing the home. It's, that is the host. I think that's that Airbnb does a really good job of making it more of that individual feel. So it doesn't feel like you're actually being hosted by the property manager who has 300 properties in Big Sky, Montana. It's that one person who's just the face of the company in this case. But I do. I, I think there's it may go back to the kind of the mindset of how we've developed the gig economy here in the shared economy of again being that one-to-one i'm going to support this one person here maybe that's the shift is that people think that they're actually supporting one-to-one an individual by going through airbnb when really if there's a way to get around it that's the way you're actually you're doing more for the individual host or the individual property manager and certainly airbnb and enverbo did all the work in 17 18 19 to make sure that people weren't going because that's they were losing tons of money outside the system and they did put those checks in and they did flip that switch to say, okay, we're going to start taking commission on everything that we're attributing back to us. The outcry there was loud <laughs> and aggressive, but it is it there. The machinations have been in, in place behind the scenes. And maybe I think you can give both of those giants some credit in saying they identified it early. They identified it six, seven years ago now. And 
put the steps in place to not allow people to communicate out with a traveler outside the platform and to make sure that it is that all those secure messages. I remember going through a secure messaging and getting all of that implemented for a lot of PMS partners because they were missing out on revenue because they couldn't talk to these Airbnb and Verbo just shut it off. So to, I think maybe that's, there's something to be said. You can give a little credit to Airbnb, Expedia and Homeway and all those big players now that they saw what was going to happen and they took the steps right away and probably did more of an education push at that point that we don't even remember anymore. That was, Hey, this is how you're going to, this is how you're going to book now streamlining that process as much as possible, not creating a lot of communication points. Most of the communication, and it's been a little while since I booked on Airbnb, but most of it's post booking. Like you're not communicating with them prior to the stay prior to at least booking that room. Now you might disregard the booking or cancel the booking at, at some point there, but that is, they've created a internal ecosystem that works pretty well for them. And it is, and I, there, and the education wasn't just on the guest side because there's a lot of property managers that do just use Airbnb as distribution marketing. What is it here? And I think as we're transitioning into that part of the conversation, what is it? Is Airbnb marketing? Is it distribution? Is it a channel? What are your thoughts there, Conrad? It reminds me, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think we did the four P's, right? And mm -hmm. it was like, and we changed out, I think, product for property because property was a better fit for what we're talking about. Yep. But in what sense could Airbnb be marketing if we think of that simplistic definition? If, um, if Airbnb is a channel, then it's certainly not price. You set your price on Airbnb. But it's not price. There's no way. It's obviously not your property, right? <laughs> you are your property. Right. You manage the property. Airbnb right. doesn't have your property. So that's obviously not the case. Place. Okay. That's more so like distribution. I would argue mm -hmm. that's most similar. And the promotion, because like in theory, Airbnb can promote your property for you in some respect. They are promoting your property when they do advertising. So I think if we're to compare Airbnb to a piece of marketing, I would argue maybe promotion would be the most apt comparison. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that it should only ever be one piece of the promotion strategy. I think that... The truth is that over the past, COVID, during the COVID boom years, the last few years, and that's yep. now tailed off a little bit, yep. you could get away in most markets with just doing things on Airbnb. I would actually argue that you probably weren't necessarily yielding the most you could by doing that strategy because yes, a lot of people are on Airbnb. Yes, there's mm -hmm. a lot of demand on Airbnb. All those mm -hmm. things are true, but not all the demand, not all the guests, right? right? So maybe it's, let's say it's the majority of the pie in your market. If there's a, if there's a pie chart available and maybe Airbnb is 60% of demand and 60% of eyeballs. Great. Fantastic. You should definitely be on Airbnb. To be clear, I've never ever recommended. Maybe I can count on one hand the number of times I've actually said, yeah, I think you go ahead and safely disconnect your listings and move on right. from the platform. Pretty rare. Pretty rare that someone would do that. I would never do that. If I had a property, I would never take it off of Airbnb, barring some kind of horrible rule change that I disagreed with right. that would cause me, my business harm or something like that. But today, based on the rules that I see, I would never take it off completely. Now, I would try to rely on it as little as possible. And I think that's the piece that people just don't understand is that if you're putting all of your trust into a promotion bucket and said promotion bucket happens to be Airbnb or any other platform, you are setting yourself up for a risky, damaging uh, situation to occur. You're just not asking for it, but if it does happen, you're very poorly equipped to move past it. So when we say that, I think a lot of people are just like, yeah, you're just pushing your agenda and stuff like that. But it's not really the case because if you look at any successful 
company, th- think of a company that's out there in the lodging space or any, just pick like any sort of platform out there where they rely on one platform to get all of their leads. If you knew a contractor and the contractor only got leads from the Home Depot pro service right. desk, that was the only right. way he grew his business and you were giving advice, you'd be like, man, you should probably be getting leads from like other sources. So why do some property managers just put their blinders on? And this occurs. I see this frequently. I'm having a conversation with someone right now who I'm trying to lift the blinders off of his eyes a little bit. And I'm actually wondering if it's worth doing to be completely honest with you, because he's so skeptical from the jump on if it's going to work and the cost and exactly how much is this going to cost and exactly how much revenue am I going to get off of it, that I think he's missing the forest through the trees. He's realizing that he is just a barnacle attached to the Airbnb boat, which is what I see frequently. You're a barnacle attached to the Airbnb boat. And if that boat goes down, you're going down with it. And if that boat wants to jettison you, they can jettison you and then you're floating around the ocean. So that's just my broader like impact of this is that Airbnb can only ever be one part of your marketing strategy or actual market, put what you're putting in the marketplace can only ever be one part of it. And ideally it should be 20% of said strategy. It should never be the whole thing. So we're talking our own book here, but it's because we've seen it. It's not <laughs> like, regardless of if you do it with us or some other partner or person that you're working with, that's fine. I don't care, whatever. No. But the idea that you're safe with Airbnb is completely not true. And I think that question has been brought up a lot is that because it is, it's what's that end of world situation where what if Airbnb just shut down for a day, a week, a month? And I think that's that it is people have never been posed with that question or maybe they have. They just didn't put much thought into it. But it's a legitimate question for some of these for some major, some bigger managers or even some smaller managers. If you did, if you if. Airbnb just went down or you had to get a refund of they refunded quarter million of your reservation. That's certainly something we talked about a few months ago. Now it happens. So how would you cope with that? And I think that's heck, that's something you, you address in a SWOT analysis. <laughs> where are your weaknesses? Where are your threats? The weaknesses that we rely on Airbnb and Verbo for 60, 70 percent of our bookings. And the threat is that, hey, what if there was a policy change or heaven forbid, what if the sites went down? And it is, it's maybe something that we didn't address much, but I've certainly heard that question more frequently seen it on LinkedIn posts and stuff like that, where people really are starting to wonder or at least talk about what are the alternatives. And I think that you do need some more people who are more experienced in the space who have had those horror stories for a lot of managers probably pretty content with taking in the average 10 to 50, let's say, rental manager, pretty content taking what they take through Airbnb and HomeAway, getting some direct in there, however they're doing it. But there is the unknown of what what are you leaving on the table or what if the worst would should happen? So I, <clears throat> I do think that it's, it is, and it still wraps back up to it's an education point. It's an education point for travelers. It's an education point for managers. It's, I think we all just have to get on the same page here. And there has to be some more of these articles, sub stacks, stuff like that. It's, it it is interesting. I will note, it's interesting that going back to even those stats you're talking about representing professional property managers, representing 1% of all hosts, 23% of listings, 35% of revenue. That's even going back to 2022. And we know there's been a shift since that time. And I I think if we, think if we ask Jamie Lane from ERDNA, who is usually the guy who's pulling out a lot of this data, he would have, I'm sure those numbers have shifted even more where 
now, I, and I think he they actually have released more data that it is more people or more listings that are out there that are professional managers. <laughs> you, you would think that it would be the other way where people are, are scaling back and trying to go more direct. No, pe- people realize that's still where the bookings are coming from. That's still where the eyes are. And until that's there's a f- massive fundamental shift and it would take like a Google taking more market share from, I mean, it is, it takes a Google vacation rentals or something like that, I think, or some other type of integration with a big player. I don't know if ChatGPT is going to end up with a, more of an, a, a true HomeAway plugin, not just the Expedia plugin or an Airbnb plugin. And at that point, then I really don't think you can turn those channels off because that's a whole nother audience that maybe you haven't even tapped into yet. A whole different persona of, I would say that most people, most chat GPT users tend to skew probably a little younger right now. So that is, it may be a really good opportunity for for anybody, managers and hotel, anybody in the hospitality space to get in front of those younger users who have the money, who have the capital or who look are looking to test out the newest, coolest things and booking through chat GPT I gotta say, it'd be pretty cool just to, to try it once. And then to actually, if it's streamlined, if it's easy to go, again, it just, it's hockey stick potential growth from there. So I, yeah. I would like to do a comparison. This is a bit of a departure from what you were saying. And the comparison that I always like to do is eBay. I've done that on other podcasts, but I don't think I've done it on this one. So I'll do the eBay, Amazon comparison. Yeah. So I went and looked up eBay annual revenue. So this is just revenue according to macrotrends.net. So we'll assume this is a legitimate source. Sure. So they went public in 08. First revenue reported in 09. They did 8.7 billion in sales, then 9.1, then 11.6, then 14 billion. So from one, two, three, for five years straight, they went, they increased by at least $500 million a year. In fact, from 2011 to 2012, they actually increased their annual revenue by over $3 billion. What happened in 2012, you might ask, in 2012, this is my (laughs) sort of assessment, not having access to all the files, but it seems like Amazon started to gain a little bit of momentum because from 2012 to 2013, they went from over $14 billion in revenue to 8.2 in 2013. So they lost billions of dollars of revenue in just a year. Then they are stuck. They're the 8.2 in 2013, 8.7 in 2014. They kind of bounce back a little bit. Needless to say, they've gotten nowhere close to 14 billion since then. Here we are looking at 2022 numbers. They did 9 billion last year, 9.7 to be exact. So they are probably 60% of the size of the business they were in 2012. And honestly, the dollar and like the inflation and stuff like that, really a $9.7 billion company in 2012 dollars is probably like a $20 $20 billion company, right? So yeah. they're really a lot smaller if you think about it with all the numbers weighed in there. So Amazon ate eBay's lunch. Now, eBay is still a relatively successful company. In fact, their like, stock prices actually went parabolic yeah. during 2021. So they may yeah. be selling like less revenue, but maybe they're making more per whatever, per purchase or whatever. Maybe their rake has gone up a little bit. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not giving stock investing advice here. <laughs> I'm just giving an example of two companies that I think a lot of people who have been around for some time can think of in their heads, Amazon and eBay, and yeah. one won and one lost. And if you were relying, let's take ourselves out of the vacation rental operator seat and put ourselves in the e-commerce world, and you were relying on eBay revenue, new from 2012 up until 2012 you were super happy because it was on this trajectory that airbnb is on everything's great the fees are reasonable for the most part everybody's happy great ecosystem and then from 2013 on they just get crushed they just they their business loses about half of what it could airbnb's business lose about half if another upstart were to come in and offer a different service or a better product or whatever the case may be of course it could you'd be insane to think that's impossible because this is capitalism like sears used to be this unassailable oh my god sears (laughs) has too much power they're the most successful retailer of all 
all time. And now we laugh and joke about Sears. And that didn't take place over, it took place over decades, but it wasn't like an instant thing. It took a long time for the long tail of death to occur on the the re- physical retail side of things. But obviously that has happened to Sears and it could happen to any retailer. Amazon one day may be ashes on the ground. Maybe we'll all be older, right. or maybe dead. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to predict. <laughs> but that's my point, which is that these marketplaces come and go. Your marketing strategy, the actual piece of that is, that is marketing is your ability to see what's out there and build your own little island. You have to build your own little island. I don't really care too much how you do it. Obviously, we think there's ways to do it with search social and email marketing, but you could play it in other ways. I follow a account on TikTok, which has been a small focus of ours, but I follow an account on TikTok who is getting the majority of their bookings through TikTok. She runs like a glamping site up in the Smoky Mountains area of Tennessee with 20, 25 campsites, something like that. And really, like you said a second ago, targeting that that like essentially the new gen demographic that consumes Mm -hmm. on TikTok, they think going glamping in Tennessee is awesome. (laughs) They love it. They think it's fantastic. They probably don't want to book an Airbnb or they don't see a need to book an Airbnb. Oh, I can go right here. Look, she has Mm -hmm. all these videos on TikTok. Of course I trust her. Look at all these reviews. Look at all this feedback. Look at other people that have shot videos there and they've had a great time. I believe it's going to be a great experience. They'll pay 200 bucks a night for a tent. Mind blowing to me, not really my thing, but there we go. She's (laughs) running a thriving business off of essentially TikTok traffic. So maybe that's what a new generation short-term rental property manager looks like like maybe i don't know i'm not saying that is the case or is not the case but my point is that her marketing channels are diverse her marketing channels are unique she has different ways that she's thinking she's going where the eyeballs are she's not really so focused on oh there's a way to track the bookings and stuff like that coming in she's no if i just get a lot of views i know i'm going to get bookings off this she's very confident about that and she's proven to be correct so i can't disagree with her (laughs) marketplaces come and go airbnb is here today it could be gone not tomorrow that would be impossible but it could be gone in the future and if you're relying on that and this is your long-term plan if you're just trying to surf the wave for a little while and hop off then yeah sure do whatever is most capital efficient and i'm fine with that but if you're trying to build like the business that's stable, that has like long lasting capabilities to it, or you're just trying to build a great business, not like a mediocre business, right. I just can't see how you can only rely on Airbnb. I can't see how that's a healthy operational strategy for you to employ. Uh, and yet a lot of people do it. And just like we opened the show talking about how the public isn't aware of the fees and how the money's being right, up right, right now, the property managers seem, some of them seem to want to put their head in the sand and not realize that what they're doing is not just not efficient. I think that's like a fair criticism of it, but literally suboptimal. Like over a long enough period of time, Airbnb is going to keep their take rates, going to mm. chip up 1% mm. at a time until they're taking 20, 25%, just like booking mm. sites, until they have you relying on them. And then you're going to be in a horrible position. So I just don't see a way that you can square it in your head where this is the most optimal long-term solution. Is there some cost and expense you have to endure in the short term to get a solid and respectable direct booking approach up and running? Of course you do, but that's like cost of doing business. I hate to say it. If you're going to build a more stable business, you're going to have to invest a little bit in website pieces, in marketing pieces, et cetera. Whether it's your time or your money or both, that's going to have to occur for you to be successful. Airbnb is not marketing. Airbnb, as you say, mm-hmm. is distribution. And it's yeah. just it should just be one prong of a fork that you have of distribution to get your name out there. And they've done a lot of good for the industry. I don't want to sit yeah. here and just rag on them endlessly. Right. They've brought a lot of eyeballs in, and I think we should be grateful. But I also think that we should be we should have them at an arm's distance in some respect. And if you take that kind of messaging into account, I think you can be a lot more successful with this long term. If you let them move into your house, business house, if you will, and do whatever they want, mm-hmm. I don't know, you might get some mud on your furniture. I just I'm not believing it long term. No, I think I think that's the per and I think it is the perfect wrap up of yeah, we you can make the argument that however it's effective for you, yeah, make it work. But for long term and we're on the sustainability kick now for at least the next week here and probably a little further than that but it is for a long-term sustainable business just you have to diversify you it goes back to the same if you were using 
print journalism at some point, if you were doing you in the using the newspapers and magazine articles to do your advertising, and you're still devoting 50%, I first of all, I highly doubt you're still devoting 50% to print advertising, but it is. Think about the changes that have happened up to this point and how you market and how do you distribute and how you do all that with your listings. Just know that's not going to change. It is. You, there's new places to put them. There's new things. There's new tools. There's new tricks. There's new strategies. Ultimately, though, it's about making sure you're spread out so that it is. You're not you, 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 at some point, something, one, one catastrophic failure at one spot doesn't stop your business. It is. You want to make sure that you are not dependent on someone else to run your business. And for a lot of managers, yeah, Airbnb is how they run their business. And we're trying to avoid that. We're trying to give you the tools. We're trying to give you the strategies. And we're trying to understand, we're trying to make you understand it in a way of why we say this, because we can put those examples out there. And we do. We have some really fun examples from hundreds of partners that we've worked with and some not so good examples from the hundreds of partners that we've worked with. But it is. It's the, it, we're trying to make everybody here as successful as possible. And, and that's something that you can use Airbnb to do that for a while. You can't leverage only Airbnb to do that long term. No. This is how I feel about motivation, actually, which is I believe motivation is like a, like Tylenol or like any sort of painkiller. It's fine to take when you're in pain and you need to, ah, my knee's messed up and I need to take it, but I can't take it every day. If you need motivation every day, something's wrong. If you need uh, painkillers every day, something's wrong. And if you need to rely on Airbnb every day to get your bookings, something's wrong. So you're not, set, you're not setting yourself up for success. What would be really successful? What would make people more successful, in my opinion? If they reviewed our listing or we reviewed oh, yeah. our podcast, <laughs> I think it would I help think them if they, immensely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would help them a lot because not only would they get the pleasure of leaving us a review, which takes them less than a minute, typically open up your podcast app, search heads of bed show, tap the review link and then leave the review. That would be less than a minute. In fact, I bet I could get someone to do it in less than 25 seconds. If they had the, if they already yeah. subscribed, it would be even quicker because they would, if you're listening to this here, it's literally one click away. So that would help them quite a bit if they left a review. And it makes them feel good. And if you feel good, you do well for yourself. You do well for your guests, your owners. Everybody's happy. It's a true win. Win. And then I again, did that right. I think you got the win there. And it lets yeah. you want to share this with some other people in the industry. And the best way yeah. to do that is get those reviews out there because the more reviews yeah. we get, the more people somehow the algorithm See. works behind the scenes. And all of iTunes and anything, Apple, Spotify, anybody, anywhere. We'll take them anywhere. But you know yeah. what? Every time we get those reviews, oof, those yeah. numbers just go. So let's come on. Let's get yeah. some more people involved here. It's a good point. We don't distribute this audio on just one platform, do we? We've got it on iTunes. We've got it on Spotify. We got it over here, Google Podcasts, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Overcast is my podcast player of choice, but that's fine. If you want to use something different, just leave us a review, please. That's so, right. That's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. We're going to do this GA4 one eventually. So maybe this is us publicly, uh, me publishing, uh, publicly nudging Paul yeah. to do the GA4 <laughs> one so he gets a little bit more savvy with it. But no, we really do appreciate listening. Hopefully this episode was fun, different tactical one than we normally do, more you know, kind of high level discussion. And uh, it was fun. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Heads and Bed Show.